One for the money, two for the show, three to get ready. It's the Convince Me Show. That was lame. We're lame, but you're here to watch us be lame. Uh, welcome to another episode of Convince Me. I, as always, I'm Andy Rutherford, as always, joined by Mr. Casey Elrod, who's looking quite dapper this evening, uh, and Mr. Brian Bennett. Gentlemen, how's it going? What's up? How's it going, guys? All right. Um, right. I will say this, right? You're already starting off in the hole for that rendition. Yeah. If you were watching the pre-show, which you weren't, because that's not available to anybody. That's just us shooting the breeze as we get set up. Uh, there was a fine rendition uh, of Billie Jean going on, but you all missed it. So I apologize. Um, but again, thanks again for, for hopping on with us uh, on this Tuesday night as you're watching this or Wednesday, if you're checking it out on the podcast, um, we thank you guys as always for all your support. Be sure you're here every Tuesday night. Make sure you're downloading us uh, wherever you download your podcast. We're on all the major players, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all that good stuff. Um, follow us on the socials, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, we're on YouTube, or you can directly support us, anchor.fm slash convince me show. Um, that's all I'm going to do uh, for the kind of beginning portion, because ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the first ever convince me 12 hour spectacular um, that this show could have been had we not gone through uh, kind of pre-show and cut out a lot. We're still going to skip a lot. Uh, but that's because we're discussing two music icons tonight that have so much in common, uh, it's kind of scary. Uh, they're both kings. They both broke color barriers. They both uh, died too soon. They both have made a lot of money after their death. Um, they both have at some point been related to Lisa Marie Presley. Um, <laughs> tonight we're discussing the king of pop, versus the king of rock and roll. I will be arguing on behalf of Michael Jackson. Bennett will be arguing on behalf, behalf of Elvis Presley and Mr. Elrod, our distinguished moderator tonight. Uh, we'll be picking a winner. Mr. Elrod, any, uh, any statements before we get into this? This is going to be a tough call. I, I know we always say that, and sometimes we mean it, and sometimes we don't. But this is going to be a tough call, really tough call tonight. Do you so, mean it this time or not? I mean it. Trust me. Believe me. <laughs> I don't do that, but okay. <laughs> well, depending on how tonight's show goes, the outcome could leave our viewers all shook up. Oh, oh it's going to be a thriller. <laughs> Y'all both lose. <laughs> I'll win. There we go. All right. So you want to see who goes first here? Well, that's usually what the moderator does at the beginning. Well, it's Elvis related. I promise you I'm not in cahoots with bidding on this. Of course it is. But this is sort of like the one you had last time. We're going to go with a number. And closest without going over wins. And if both of you go over, it's just going to be who's closer to the number. Cool? Do it. Elvis Presley locks the word blue in his titles 
of the songs. How many songs has Elvis Presley recorded with the word blue in the title? And this is, could be covers of uh, like other people's stuff too, not just his original hits. And let me know when you're done. I'm done. Okay. Let me see your numbers. Three. Just a bit off, Bennett. Rut's going to be closer. Elvis has recorded 15 songs with the word blue in the title. Pretty crazy. I wanted to go one, but I figured y'all would be catching on to me. <laughs> so, Sir Rutt, do you want to go first or second tonight in opening statements? Well, as is my MO, I will defer. All right, Bennett. Tell me why that Elvis Presley, or convince me that Elvis is better than Michael Jackson. Sure. All right. I want to open this up to you, Mr. Elrod. With the question, like I usually do, yep. my question to you is, what does John Lennon, Paul McCartney, Bob Dylan, Eric Clapton, Elton John, and Bruce Springsteen all have in common? They sold a lot of albums and made a lot of money. They did, but that's not quite what I was looking for. <laughs> what they did do is they all admitted that Elvis changed their lives and deeply influenced their music careers. John Lennon goes on to say that he gives Elvis credit for his entire music career saying without Elvis, there was nothing. He opened it up for all of us to follow. Elvis is one of the most significant culture icons of the 20th century. He is the best-selling solo music artist of all time the best selling he like like rut said earlier he he broke down bears as long as michael jackson did too and um elvis really put rock and roll on the map you'd be really hard pressed to find someone that uh musically is more versatile than elvis as far as his vocals go i mean who else can you think of that's in the rock country gospel and blues hall of fame uh I don't know what else to say about the man. He he revolutionized music. And tonight, Mr. Elrod, I will convince you that there is only one true king, the king of rock and roll, Mr. Elvis Presley. I like it. I like it. I'm also Elvis's fifth cousin. Look at, check my stats. Check my stats. That's where he gets his looks from, you know? See? Okay. On that note, right? Is this, is this like your uh, Chipper Jones getting walked as often as Barry Bonds' dad? Or? No, it's legit. It's legit. I'll show you the. I'll show you the family tree someday. So do I get the win or what's that? Automatic win. Automatic win. Gotta support my family. All right, right. Tell me why he's full of crap and why Michael Jackson's better. Well, here's the thing. I've said this on other shows, other shows, this has not been the case at all, but it is the case very much tonight. And that is you were not going to hear me say anything bad about Elvis Presley. And unlike when I'm arguing Mr. Elrod, you're not going to hear me say anything bad about my opponent tonight either. Uh, I may counter a few points, um, but I can't bash Elvis. Uh, Elvis is the key rock and roll. Without Elvis, who knows where music would be today? 
Uh, who knows if we'd have had a Michael Jackson if not for Elvis, because I'm sure Elvis influenced somebody, uh, if not Michael Jackson directly. But the fact is this, we also wouldn't have the music we have today, good, bad, indifferent, uh, without one Michael Jackson. Uh, Bennett talked about how the, the diverseness of Elvis's audiences, and he talked about uh, all the people or the diverseness of Elvis's music and audiences, um, the people that he influenced, uh, some people that were influenced by Michael Jackson. And I want you to notice the variety of these as well. Um, we've got Beyonce, we've got Mariah Carey, we've got Puff Daddy, but we've also got your Sheryl Crows, your Green Days, um, and your Lady Gaga's, your Adam Lambert's, your The Band Perry, uh, Maroon 5, Bruno Mars, Britney Spears, a whole range of what some people would call music today has been influenced by Michael Jackson. And the fact of the matter is this, Elvis Presley was a musical icon and a god, as was Michael Jackson. But the fact of the matter is this, Michael Jackson was the complete total package. He was universally loved by both critics and fans, which is not something you see very often. Uh, highest of high praises from both. Um, he was an elite singer. He was an elite dancer. He was an elite songwriter. He was an elite entertainer. Um, Elvis Presley was fantastic and he shook his hips well but I don't think we could say he's the dancer that Michael Jackson was. Uh, whose voice was better? You got to go on preference. They're both elite. Michael Jackson wrote his own songs. Elvis didn't write a lot of his own songs. So if you're looking for the total package, you've got to look at Michael Jackson. Hmm. Okay. Well, right. Everybody's got to have a beginning. And... I think I'll, well i'm not sure where michael jackson was born but i'm sure you're about to tell me so take me to the beginnings of the legend that is michael jackson gary indiana is where michael jackson was born uh 1958 the eighth of 10 jackson children um and has come to be known michael jackson has been in the entertainment business his whole life um, his dad started the group with himself and his brothers when Michael Jackson was six years old uh, is when the Jackson Five started. Uh, Joe Jackson, his dad, uh, tough guy, tough on his kids, uh, used to bring his belt with him to their practices. And if they made a mistake, they got the belt. Uh, they got a whipping. Uh, really, you know, was literally beat into him as a child of of being a performer, um, being entertaining and doing it the right way. Uh, the family was, I'm only adding this to add a joke at the end of it, uh, but the family was, you know, pretty famously Jehovah Witnesses, um, which if you had 10 kids and got to skip Christmas, you would be too. Um, they Anyway, the Jackson 5 started... <laughs> They had a short stint on Steeltown Records. 
Um, but they really hit it big when they moved over to Motown Records. And the Jackson 5 was massive when Michael Jackson is literally a kid. You know, when we're that age learning to ride bicycles and playing with our friends and learning how to write in cursive, he's making albums and going on tour with his brothers um, and doing so quite successfully. The Jackson 5, once they switched to Motown, they debuted with four number one hits. Uh, I Want You Back, ABC, The Love You Save, I'll Be There. The Jackson 5 have sold over 100 million albums worldwide. Uh, they have a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. They're in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. They're in the Vocal Group Hall of Fame. Um, ABC and I Want You Back are part of the 500 songs that shaped rock and roll. Uh, and those two songs, plus I'll Be There, uh, are in the Grammy Hall of Fame. Might I mention, this is all when he's a kid. Um, really, he's he never knew anything in his life other than to be an entertainer. Uh, and if we want to talk about the first solo record, we can talk about his first actual solo record. Uh, but it kind of falls under that Jackson 5 umbrella because all the brothers did a solo record. But Michael's was the most successful when he was only 14 years old. Um, half, the, half the songs on the record were covers, uh, but the songs Rock and Robin and the title of the album got to be there uh, reached number five and number six on the charts, and the album reached number 14 on the Billboard 200 and number three on the R&B charts when he's 14 years old. Um, but when we're talking about first albums, outside uh first legitimate album uh outside of that umbrella it's off the wall um and he was a very elderly 21 years old uh at that time with 15 years experience in the entertainment business uh under epic Rep records and it was his departure from the jackson five and really his breakthrough and breakout as a solo artist uh so technically it's his fourth solo album but in reality uh it's really his first as a solo artist uh it hit number three on the billboard charts number one on the r&b charts uh that album is in the grammy hall of fame uh it was one of the rock and roll hall of fame definitive 200 albums of all time at number 80 uh, and it was on it was rolling stones 500 greatest albums of all time number 68 uh not bad for coming right out of the gate uh, he had two number one singles on that album, four top tens, and in his very first solo album outside of the Jackson 5 umbrella, he be, the, his album was the first album by a solo artist to generate four top ten U.S. hits. All right. Well, Bennett, I assume you're about to take me to the plains of Tupelo for Mr. Presley, aren't you? I am. I know Mr. Mr. Uh, Elvis Aaron Presley was born January 8th, 1935. Like you said, Tupelo, Mississippi, to Vernon and Gladys Presley. A lot of people think of Elvis in Memphis, but he didn't move to Memphis until later on. <laughs> Growing up, though, he lived in this little two-room two shotgun house that his dad pretty much built for the occasion of them becoming a family. 
Um, growing up, he was really close to both of his parents, especially his mom. Um, they attended the uh, an Assembly of God Church, which is said where he really drew a lot of his musical inspiration from growing up. Uh, speaking of growing up, when he was he was pretty much your average kid growing up. Um, he was shy, and um, he would get he would get teased a lot as like a, a trashy kid that listened to hillbilly music, but, but he loved music. And, uh, on his 11th birthday, he received his very first guitar. There's some accounts that he didn't want a guitar that I think he wanted either a rifle or something else, but he got the guitar and I think it worked out pretty well for him. And, uh, in 1948, that's when, uh, Elvis's family up and moved to Memphis and he, he continued to practice on his guitar. And by the time he become like a junior or a, a senior in high school, he started really hanging out a lot on the iconic bill street there in Memphis. And he was very, very, very much influenced by the whole blues jazz scene that's going on down there. And um, I think right around that same time is when he, he knew that music was going to be his future, but no one, and I don't even think Elvis himself knew just how huge of a megastar he would be. Um, ironically enough, Mr. Rutt talked about Michael Jackson being 21 years old when his first solo album came out. Elvis was also 21 when his first like legit solo record uh, came out in 1956. It's a self-titled album, Elvis Presley for RCA Records here in Nashville. It's a little 12-track album that's only 28 minutes long, but this 28 minutes essentially defined rock and roll music. The album spent 10 weeks at number one, and it's the first rock and roll album to ever make it on the charts. It was also the first million-selling album of that genre, it's a very, very iconic album with a very iconic cover. I'm sure everybody's seen it and is well familiar with it. That that album cover is ranked uh, is it 56 on Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Albums. It's certified gold and certified platinum. Quick note about Elvis. I know this personally. You talked about him being born in Tupelo. The night Elvis was born, of course, Elvis was a twin. We all know that. His brother died in the womb. But the night that uh, he was born, a terrible tornado hit the area of Tupelo where he was from. There was only a couple survivors from that tornado, and Elvis's parents were a few of the survivors. It's crazy stuff. How different the world would be today if that wasn't the case. So we know that both of these guys – sold more records than some of the artists we've talked about in our previous episodes. But Bennett, tell me about the top records that Elvis has. And also maybe you can tell me from your research, who has more records sold? Is it Elvis or Garth? Because I kind of want to clear that up from a previous episode too. I'm pretty sure it's going to be Elvis. Um, it's estimated that Elvis has sold over 1 billion records worldwide during his career. 
And um, I know in America alone, he's had at least 150 different albums and singles that were either certified gold, certified platinum, or multi-platinum. Run through some quick stats real quick before I hit some of these top records. He had 24 studio albums, nine live albums, 28 uh, complicate, uh, compilation with albums, uh, 29 EPs, 18 soundtracks, and 24 box sets. Um, some of the top records, at least some of the ones that kind of stuck out to me, were uh, Elvis's Christmas album. That's one that really sticks out to me from 1957. Who doesn't love a good Christmas album? It's arguably the best ever. It shipped at least 17 million copies in the U.S. It was uh, first Presley title to obtain uh, a diamond uh, certification. It's uh, considered the best-selling Christmas album of all time and one of the best-selling albums of all time. Um, another good one is from Elvis in Memphis in 1969. This was fresh off of his uh, 68 comeback special. Elvis recorded this at the uh, American Sound, which is a studio that he had never really used before. And this album is a, uh, it's a fan favorite. It peaked at number 13 on the Billboard 200 and uh, peaked at number two on the country charts. And is ranked 190th on Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Albums. Another good one is for LP fans only. In 1959, this album was kind of designed to keep Elvis fans satisfied with the new product during his army stint. This was the this was the first way that a lot of people really heard some of his like older tracks, like "That's All Right" and "Mystery Train." And it peaked at number 19 on the Billboard charts. You've got uh, Elvis, the NBC TV special in 1968. These were all live performances from the TV comeback special that really got Elvis, like, really excited about performing again. This album is probably best described as casual, comfortably uncomfortable, vulnerable, and confident. You've got tracks like Laudy Miss Claudy, which breaks down into some pretty choice ad libs that he puts in. And uh, even Elvis on the on the spot kind of rewrites and chuckles through uh, Love Me Tender on this album. This album, you really get to hear the audience and especially the girls just go freaking bananas and lose their mind, especially on the tracks like Blue Christmas, Hound Dog, and Heartbreak Hotel. Um, I really like this album because I, I think that it really shows off his ability to do R&B, do gospel country, and his rock and roll side all together into one album. It's really unique. And the very last one is one I talked about earlier, the uh, Elvis Presley 1956 album. This is considered like the template for – Hormonal enhancement for teens. <laughs> this one was crazy. It's uh, it's the first number one chart in rock and roll record, like I alluded to earlier. It's Elvis's first long playing record, and it kind of helped usher in the rock and roll era. And this album really perfectly captures the potential that uh, that Elvis had. 
and it proved that Elvis could really sing anything. The album cover ranks number 40 on Rolling Stone's 100 album covers. The album itself lands in at number 56 on Rolling Stone's 500 albums of all time. And the most notable song on that would be Blue Suede Shoes. Blue Suede Shoes. All right. Thank you, Bennett. So, sir, tell me about Michael Jackson's top records. First of all, two side notes. Number one, the Elvis Christmas album is fantastic. Um, for those that don't know, these two, I think, know. Every year I get it. Every year around Christmas time, I invest in a new Christmas album. It's kind of my thing. Elvis's Christmas album is top three easy, probably top one or two for me. Uh, you've got Elvis's, you've got Frank Sinatra's, and oddly enough, Michael Bublé's was fantastic. Not usually my bag, but a fantastic Christmas album. Side note number two, Elvis does have more album sales than Garth worldwide. Locally, nationally in the U.S., it's Garth by half a million. So, anyway, um... Losing points here. Losing points. Hey, you uh, you left off the NSYNC Christmas album, too. <laughs> Did I? All right. <laughs> um, what if I told you nine Grammys, eight AMA Awards, three MTV Music Awards, one Emmy nomination, 37 weeks at number one on the Billboard 100, 80 weeks in the top 10 of the Billboard 100, seven top 10 singles, 66 million albums sold worldwide, selling the most albums in consecutive years. You'd say that's a pretty good career, wouldn't you? I would. I would. Yeah, that wasn't a career. That was Thriller. (laughs) That was Thriller. We can talk about the best albums ever, period, by anybody, and we're going to talk about Thriller. Michael Jackson had it in his mind that he wanted to make, he wanted to create an album where every song was a killer. That was his exact words. He wanted an album with every song was a killer. And he did exactly that with Thriller. Uh, There was a kind of a backlash against disco uh, when this song came out in the early 80s. And this, Jackson moved out of the kind of disco and really in a new musical direction with the Thriller album. And he incorporated pop and post-disco and rock and funk and dance and R&B. And he just threw all those together. And that got him one of the Rolling Stone 500's greatest albums of all time. And according to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, definitive 200 albums of all time, Thriller came in at number three behind only the Beatles, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, and Pink Floyd's The Wall, um, which are also in that discussion. But especially if you want to look at pop records, or basically anything other than classic rock. It's Thriller. Seven singles released off this album. All seven singles hit the top ten, including two number ones. 
the first song released off the album, The Girl Is Mine, uh, his duet with Paul McCartney that myself and Mr. Bennett are very familiar with. Um, I might get into that a little later. Uh, that peaked at number two. Uh, the next single off that album, a little ditty you would have heard if you were one of the people that were live on this pre-show that nobody ever seen, and that's Billie Jean that went to number one. Third single, Beat It, went to number one. Uh, Want to Be Starting Something went to number five. Human Nature, number seven. PYT, number 10. And then the last single released off that record uh, was what the record was named, Thriller, that peaked at number four. And if you want to talk about Thriller, the, the song, what made the song wasn't the actual song, but the music video. Uh, the work that went into the music video for Thriller was something that had never been done before. It set a bar for music videos that, quite honestly, still stands today. Uh, that's how it got its MTV um, Movie Awards. Uh, also resulting from that album, he appeared on uh, the NBC special Motown 25, and that's where he first performed Billie Jean. That's where he first put on the rhinestone white glove, and most famously, that's where he first did uh, his patented moonwalk. Uh, and that's what earned him his Emmy nomination from this album. Uh, and a lot of people have compared that TV appearance uh, to appearance by the Beatles and Elvis on the Ed Sullivan show. Those TV show appearances that really blow something into a worldwide phenomenon. And that happened uh, with Thriller. If you ask anybody that really has any, uh, I'll just say it, any taste in music, Thriller is to some people the greatest album of all time and I don't think anybody can deny it's one of the greatest albums of all time. Whether we're talking about Michael Jackson, Elvis, we could be talking about anybody. I'm going to put Thriller up against that album. And other than the Beatles, I feel confident as far as strictly looking at the album, I'm going to win that argument. Um, and really, I could just stop there. But I'll just throw a little bit of cherry on top. You look at the album Bad that he put out. It sold a measly 35 million copies and was the first album to have five number one hits. Uh, so Bad did pretty well, but Thriller is one of the greatest albums ever, period, end of sentence. All right. Well, we talked about the top records. Now, you just alluded to a bunch of songs. So tell me, uh, Sir Wright, tell me about the hit songs that Mr. Jackson put out. I assume you're going to talk a lot about those songs off that Thriller album. I'm going to talk about two of them, and very briefly, because here's the thing. Michael Jackson, as a solo artist, not counting Jackson 5 stuff, as a solo artist, released 78 singles. Eight of those were on other people's albums. Um, one of those on another person's album went to number one, uh, Say, Say, Say with Paul McCartney. But of those 78 singles released, 51 of those 78 charted, 30 of those hit the top 10, and 13 of those went to number one, the most of any pop artist uh, ever. So really, 
if we want to talk about his top songs, we could sit here all night. But I'm just going to break it down like this, and I'm going to tell you the 13 number ones and tell you how long they spent on the chart. Beat It was number one and spent 25 weeks on the charts. Billie Jean went number one and spent 25 weeks on the charts. Rock With You, number one in 24 weeks. Say, Say, Say with Paul McCartney, number one in 22 weeks. Don't Stop Till You Get Enough, 21 weeks. Black or White, 20 weeks. You Are Not Alone, 20 weeks. The Way You Make Me Feel, 18 weeks. Man in the Mirror, 17 weeks. Ben, 16 weeks. Dirty Diana, 14 weeks. I Just Can't Stop Loving You, 14 weeks. And Bad for 14 weeks. All number one hits, all staying on the charts for multiple weeks. Uh, the top half of those staying on the charts for, you know, half of a year uh, that they were out. So when you say top, that's about as top as I can go. I can go on another level down and still give you songs like Smooth Criminal, uh, Thriller, Things You're Going to Know, uh, but those didn't hit number one, and even those – uh, are well-known, well-beloved uh, hits by one Mr. Michael Jackson. Bennett, that's a high bar. Tell me about my cousin Elvis. Does his hits line up with Michael well, Jackson? It shouldn't be no secret that Elvis made a lot of music. What he also did was he made a lot of hit songs. 18 number ones, 38 top 10 hits. 114 top 40 singles and no less than 149 songs to appear on the hot 100. Um, let me just run down a list of some of these songs. Some of y'all may have heard some of these, maybe not. I don't know. You've got Heartbreak Hotel, his first RCA release, reached number one May 5th, 1956, remained number one for seven weeks. Don't be cruel. This one also spent seven weeks at number one. <laughs> And this was his uh, his number two or second number one single. Um, Hound Dog spent 11 weeks in the top 10, peaked at number two, but was in the top 100 for 28 weeks. Love Me Tender, the title song off of his first movie, three weeks at number one. All Shook Up spent 30 weeks in the top 100 and spent eight weeks at number one. Teddy Bear, seven weeks at number one. Jailhouse Rock. The title tune to his third movie, his third blockbuster, number one hit in a row. Number one for six weeks, Stuck on You. This was after his return to civilian life and his first four singles that hit number one. This one stayed at number one for four weeks. Uh, you've got It's Now or Never, five weeks at the number one spot in 1960. Are You Lonesome Tonight? This was his third single in 1960, which made it his best year since 57. And this was his 11th number one hit, Suspicious Minds. I thought this was a Dwight Yoakam song for the longest time. <laughs> Don't hold that against me. I was young. What? Forbid it. <laughs> but then I was like, wait, Elvis sang that? Elvis was before Dwight. <laughs> what are you doing, Dwight? Why? Why did you do that? I know you love Dwight Yoakam, but if it not been for Elvis and Buck Owens, Dwight Yoakam would have like two songs. Every he week. still has Inside the Pocket of a Clown. 
Do I, do I, do I, do I. Oh, this show's been off the rails. It's been off. Okay, let me bring it back, bring it back, bring it back. I'm almost done. You've got Burning Love, which wasn't a number one, surprisingly, but it peaked at number two in October of 72. This is just the, like, like Russ, this is a small sample of their songs. Both these guys have so, so many hits. Um, Elvis's, if you take all his number ones and combine them together, they stay number one hits for 80 weeks. That's crazy. Um, some of the honorable mention songs that weren't exactly number one hits, but they're still really good. You have In the Ghetto. In the Ghetto. <laughs> Surrender. Can't Help Falling in Love. Return to Cinder. And Devil in Disguise. A little less conversation. One of my least favorite Elvis songs. Oh, no. I don't know why. I'm not a fan of that song. Oh, Las Vegas feel to it. It's great. So, Bennett, tell me, you know, both of these artists have more awards than they could throw in a U-Haul van. But tell me, tell me about some of the awards that Mr. Elvis Aaron Presley has won in his musical career. Elrod, have you ever been to Graceland? I've been on the outside of Graceland. It was closed and I went in. The answer is no. I said, then the answer is no. I have not been inside Graceland. But I've been outside, if that makes sense. Dang. Tomorrow, you need to take off and you need to go to Graceland. <laughs> I'll go with you. I've been several times, but I'll go with you. And the reason why you need to go to Graceland is two things in particular that relate to what I want to talk about. You have what's called the Hall of Gold, and you have the trophy room. And this is literally, literally gold, platinum, and diamond records that cover the walls all the way up to the ceilings. We're talking 101 gold albums, 57 platinum albums, and 25 multi-platinum albums. He did have 14 Grammy nominations, and he had three Grammy Awards. All three were for gospel. But to make a point on that, you feel like, oh, he only had three. If you think, the Grammys didn't start until, I believe, 58 or 59, which Elvis already had two or three good years of making great music before the Grammys really started up. And it took until the 80s really in 70s or 80s before the grammys really started to recognize rock and roll really um that's beside the point though he, he still had seven singles that were inducted into the grammy hall of fame and in 1971 he became just the sixth artist to receive the academy's lifetime achievement i believe he got this lifetime achievement at the age of 36 that's crazy um, he was awarded the United States Junior Chamber of Commerce. Um, they, they awarded him with the uh, Outstanding Young Men of the Nation for 1970, when the top 10 young men of the nation in 1970. And Elvis said this is actually one of his proudest moments to get this. If you're not sure about what the United States Junior Chamber of Commerce is, that's the JCs. Um, 1984, W.C. Handy Award from the Blues Foundation. They recognized him for keeping blues alive in his rock and roll music. Also that same year in 84, the Academy of Country Music 
the first Golden Hat Award for his influence in country. 1986, he was among the first group inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. That very next year, he was honored with a presentation of the Award of Merit by the American Music Award. Skip ahead to 1998, he's inducted into the Country Hall of Fame. 2001, inducted into the Gospel Music Hall of Fame, giving him the distinction as the first artist to become a member of all three Hall of Fames, rock and roll, country, and gospel. And he also received a Presidential Medal of Freedom quite recently, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, before you start, Rod, one thing I want to say about Elvis and this story, you may talk about it later, so I'm still in your thunder, Bennett. But one of the best stories of all time that from from music world and the political world is Elvis meeting Richard Nixon in 70 and going to Nixon and begging him to be deputized as a uh, drug agent. He wanted to be an undercover drug agent because he hated the drug culture of the late 60s. And Nixon hated Elvis, but after that meeting, they have a respect for one another. And Nixon about gave him the commission to be an undercover drug agent. Just that's just imagine that in modern day text. It's pretty crazy. They made a movie about that, but that's just beside the point. Stop. So there's a picture of them two together, and that's one of one of the more iconic photos in music mm-hmm. history. Mm-hmm. Them two together there. <laughs> Right. Tell me about all the awards for Mr. Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson is the best-selling pop artist of all time at 350 million records sold worldwide. 66 million of those being Thriller, which made it the best-selling album of all time. Uh, Thriller has spent more time on the charts at 80 weeks. than any other album. Have I mentioned Thriller was really good? Um, oh, oh, time out, time out. I think Thriller is becoming my uh, rock. You're, you're rocky in this episode, I think. You know how you were shoving it, or I was shoving it down your throat? Thriller. Um, <laughs> but um, Michael Jackson, literally, no hyperbole here, literally has won hundreds uh, of awards, and I will name them individually. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> just some highlights here: 13 Grammys, um, as well as, so not counting, uh, the Grammy Legend Award uh, and the Grammy Lifetime Achievement Award. He won six Brit Awards, five Billboard Awards, 24 AMA Awards. Um, he holds 12. Guinness World Records. Um, Bennett talked a lot about Elvis's appearance in the Hall of Fame, and while Michael Jackson's not in the Country Hall of Fame, uh, not in the Gospel Hall of Fame, nor should he be in either one, uh, he is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, just like Elvis, except Michael Jackson's in there twice. Uh, Once as a solo artist, once with the Jackson 5. Interesting enough, he's in the National Museum of Dance Hall of Fame, And why that's interesting, he is the only recording artist, so the only singer to be put in that Hall of Fame. Uh, He is also in the Songwriters Hall of Fame. Uh, 
So he's got his own accolades of Hall of Fame honors. Uh, he was honored by two separate presidents of the United States, both Reagan uh, and George Bush Sr. Uh, gave him awards. And he also, on a much smaller note, they were only nominations, but he has two primetime Emmy nominations, which for a recording artist, for a musician to get an Emmy nom, uh, much less two, is pretty good. And like I said, there are literally hundreds more uh, that I didn't go over. Um, so, yeah, he's pretty much an award winner. Thriller. 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 <laughs> Rocky. <laughs> well, there's no question that both of these men have – crazy legacies now some could argue that some of the things he did, did was good some but tell me but focus on the good tell me about the legacy right of mr michael jackson michael jackson has never been cast in a bad lot about anything <laughs> i don't think that's the truth <laughs> there's never been anything substantiated we live in a country where you are innocent until proven guilty i think uh, that's true <laughs> There are a lot of people that believe that where there's smoke, there is fire, but there's nothing substantiated. Uh, but no, let's be honest here. If we're going to talk legacy, yeah, there are some weird things, some very sinfully, criminally weird things, and other just weird things uh, about Michael Jackson. And let's be honest, since the mid-'80s, uh, and especially through the 90s, Michael Jackson was a prime target, if not the prime target, of tabloids and sketch comedy shows like SNL and In Living Color and Mad TV. He was an easy target. There have been a lot of things that came out about him through those tabloids that most of them probably aren't true. Again, there's the whole if there's smoke, there's fire theory. Um, but, you know, there's been a lot of things, whether it's his appearance and changes in his appearance and his sexuality and what he enjoyed uh, on Neverland Ranch. But let's look solely, when we're talking legacy, at the music, because that's what this show's about. Not in general, but this episode, it's about the music. And Michael Jackson, these, I'll say this. I'll say these two points, and I'm going to say that Bennett could say the exact same thing. He changed the face of music, and he broke color barriers. I think that could easily be said. Elvis appealed to black people, and that was a big deal. Michael Jackson appealed to white people and everybody at a time where that was a huge deal. Uh, Michael Jackson reached levels of superstardom that had never been seen before other than the Beatles and maybe Elvis, except he did it at a time years after that. Uh, where people weren't as excited about celebrities as they were in the 50s and 60s when when Elvis and the Beatles became monster stars. As time has gone on, people don't get that excited about celebrities anymore. There are no musicians or actors or anybody in today's world that is anywhere near 
those levels of superstardom. Unless I'm forgetting someone, am I? Is there anybody? There's nobody that's even near that level of superstar. Michael Jackson got a $10 million endorsement deal from Pepsi, which was absolutely unheard of uh, for somebody to get a sponsorship deal worth multiples uh, of millions of dollars. Michael Jackson had one of the most iconic Super Bowl halftime shows ever. And what made it iconic? He stood there. (laughs) He stood there. And his superstardom, people were drawn in to Michael Jackson. His legacy, people literally sat there and watched him stand there until he finally started singing. But the fact of the matter is this. He was a worldwide phenomenon. He changed music. He broke color barriers. He influenced so many people in today's world. Pop music would not be what it is today without Michael Jackson. It's not today what it was with Michael Jackson, if we're being honest, but it went in a totally different direction. His legacy as an entertainer and an influencer will never be touched again because people don't reach that level of superstardom anymore in an era we live in now where we have so much access to people through social media and news networks and all those kind of things. There was a bar that is set. And yes, Elvis is above that bar. The Beatles are above that bar. But at a time where it was even harder to get to that bar, Michael Jackson moonwalked across the top of that bar. Um, And his legacy is don't give me his legacy will be tarnished forever by accusations. Let's just let's just be straight up. Will we ever know the truth? Probably not. And there were things at the end of his life, the way he died, the way he was living as a recluse, that may tarnish his legacy. Don't get me wrong, he was a strange guy. But what can you expect when you've been in the entertainment business since you were six years old and you never knew what a normal life was? He didn't know how to live a normal life. Uh, But when you're looking at the music, you're looking at the entertainer that was Michael Jackson. Like I said before, he was the complete package. Uh, And I think that's going to be his legacy. All right, Bennett, tell me about the legacy of Elvis. Well, when you're as big of an icon as Elvis is, or was, and still is, actually, and uh, given the lifestyle that he lived, you're bound to have some sort of controversies, if you will, that'll flare up about his legacy and about his life. One of the, there was a couple that jumped out to me. I'm just going to touch on a little bit. I feel like we could do a whole episode just on stuff like conspiracies and stuff, but we'll save that maybe for another time. Um, one of the things that jumped out to me though is the way that Elvis would dance and move his hips. Fun fact: he learned how to dance from a young Forrest Gump. It's true. <laughs> 
It's, it's documented. Stop. I have been waiting Stop. Stop this entire show. show for that reference. Stop the show. Minute wins right here with the Forrest Gump reference. <laughs> I, I try to get one Forrest Gump reference in every podcast. I try. But when when the young Forrest taught him how to swing his hips, a lot of people saw it as vulgar and obscene, especially for the 50s. And some of the some of the songs or some even the way that he would sing the songs, a lot of really conservative people would say that it's the devil's music. Maybe he was the devil in disguise. I don't know. <laughs> you had uh, teenage girls that would freely admit that going to an Elvis concert was like a sexual experience. They were like screaming and going crazy, going nuts. And the parents over there, they're concerned and they're disturbed by it. So that's that's one little thing about Elvis. The other thing I've got to bring up is Priscilla. Now, they met in 1959 when she was just 14 years old. And I know when you first hear that, that kind of year is like, whoa, you know, he was 10 years older than her. But to me, he he waited and he he convinced her parents to have her move to Graceland with him if she would stay in a separate building. And I think she did for like one minute. <laughs> and then she snuck on over. But this was in 1963. It was years after she wasn't 14 anymore. They they dated for eight years, okay? And then they got married in 1967. They they still did it right, no matter what people say about the whole scandal there with Tim and Priscilla. Um, some of the conspiracies, though, I'm just going to move on to them. The biggest conspiracy is that Elvis is still alive. That's right. He is. He's upstairs. Some say that Elvis was connected to the mafia and that he needed to fake his death to escape the mafia to go into like witness protection or something. Other people will point to his tombstone. They say that the middle name is misspelled because it has two A's in it instead of one. And they defend this by saying that with it being misspelled, it would be taboo to put his real name on the tombstone there if he was still alive. But the debunkers say that later on in his life, he started spelling his middle name with the two A's. So that's why it's on there like that. So who knows? There is countless, countless, countless Elvis sightings that people claim over the world. There's <laughs> websites, there's groups, there's clubs, there's societies that are all dedicated to Elvis sightings. And if you look close enough in the original Home Alone movie, there is an airport scene where the mom is raising Kane there at the booth, and there's a gentleman behind her left shoulder that people say is Elvis Presley. You know, it's the uh, it's interesting because if you look at the eyes, you can kind of see it in the eyes. And the age of this gentleman would match the age of Elvis in 1990. It's, 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 it's sort of weird. It's interesting to look into. And then, of course, of course, there is all the 
conspiracies about the secret romances and women that claim that they've had illegitimate children with Elvis. There's one man in Scottsdale by the name of John Smith. That sounds really sketched to me if your name's John Smith. I don't think that's his guy's real name. But he claims that he is Elvis's child, and he swears that he has DNA to prove it. But moving on from that and just kind of focusing on his legacy, if you think about Elvis, he really kind of lived the American dream, growing up in poverty and then going on to become one of the biggest icons of all time. You start as a shy boy and you love music, you get a guitar, you work your way up, and you become the king of rock and roll. And even though it's been over 40 years since his death, his popularity hasn't faded at all. Like, like I just touched on earlier, many, many people believe that he is still alive today. And in a way, I think they're absolutely right because his music, his music and his legacy still live on. Think about, like I talked about earlier, we have Graceland. We have Elvis's home. This sees somewhere between half a million and 750, no, half, yeah, half a million and 750,000 people every year. And it's been doing this for like, what, 30 years now? This remains the second most visited private home in America, only behind the White House. Wow. So you're able to go inside this gentleman's house and get a real intimate glimpse of how this man lived. Elrod, you need to go. I need to go. I do. And although he didn't necessarily invent rock and roll, it was still a, it was a thing before him. He actually absolutely made it successful. And he inspired and continues to inspire fans and artists alike like some of the legends that I mentioned at the very beginning of the show. He's important because of what he offers to music. You had a mix of rock, gospel, blues, a little bit of country, and even a teeny tiny bit of that hillbilly music that he was teased about as a young kid. And even though he had a fairly short music career and a fairly short life, his legacy lives on because he is the king. Mm. You know, I'm looking at a picture from the first Home Alone movie. I'm beginning to think Elvis might be alive. That's that's a spot on match. Have you seen this picture, right? It's wild. You know he's preaching somewhere now, don't you? We're, we're You're in Carthage? Oh, in Carthage. There's that conspiracy theory, theory now. There's I forgot where, maybe Arkansas, uh, but there's a guy that looks like Elvis would look now uh, that's a preacher somewhere, and he sounds like Elvis when he plays and sings in church. Uh, look into that. I haven't looked at it in a while, so I don't remember the details. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so uh, since he died, he's uh, – He's been in a movie, and uh, he's he's a preacher now, and supposedly, according to sightings, has been seen in Burger King quite a bit. <laughs> well, I, I only have one question for each of you before we get into closing arguments. Bennett, I'll start with you. 
this comes up a lot when people die at a young age and Elvis died at a pretty young age. And this comes up in the entertainment industry a lot, but a lot of people say that Elvis made the best business decision of all time when he died. What do you have to say to that? Or what do you have to say to those people? Oh, I don't know so much about that. I know he's even after his death, he's had music that's been released and he's actually had hits that come out after his passing, but I don't buy into that. I feel like what you do during your life should define you and not once somebody passes away, people hold them up to a higher standard. Elvis was already, can you think of anybody that was a bigger icon in America in the mid to late fifties, early sixties than Elvis Presley? I'd put Elvis Presley, Mickey Mantle, boom. <laughs> so I don't, I don't buy that garbage. Okay, fair enough. Right, this is kind of similar. I mean, <laughs> you touched on that. You touched on this earlier about the controversies and the court battles toward the end of his life. But there was very serious allegations. So, if when I'm deciding between Elvis and Michael Jackson, how do I look past these allegations? When I when you look at Elvis, he had his shortcomings, but there was never anything remotely alleged against Elvis for what uh, Michael Jackson was accused of. So how do I reconcile that? Well, it's hard to. Uh, it really is. And there are two approaches I could take to this um, topic, this question. And I could say the first one is that unsubstantiated, nothing's been proven. Um, but maybe that's insensitive. Um, and that's not really the route I want to go, but I will say this, the argument for this show is not who's the better person. Um, who would you rather hang out with? I'd probably rather hang out with Elvis if we're going to be completely honest. Um, he had a lot of fun. Whereas Michael Jackson, as I stated, was pretty weird dude. Um, there's a lot of floating out there about Michael Jackson. Most of it's probably not true. Some of it probably is. No denying he was a weird dude. Um, but we're looking at their musical careers. He wasn't an icon in the world for who he was as a person. He was an icon for what he did uh, for music and what he did for people because he had a huge, uh, long line of history um, and a record with humanitarianism that we didn't get into the, in the show because there's a lot we didn't get into in the show on both ends. Um, I mean, it's hard to look past the allegations, but if we're, it's hard to look past them. Uh, but if we're talking purely about the music and what he did as an entertainer, um, then I think there's serious consideration over who's better between him and Elvis. If we're looking at who's the better dude. I quit. I lose. I can't win this argument. Um, we're looking at who's more fun to hang out with. I concede. Uh, but we're looking at who was, who had the best career, who, who was the best musically inclined. And personally, I think it's a very, very valid argument. 
good shuffling there. Good dance around that question. I like it. I, like I moonwalked it. it. Thriller. I like it. Good job. You represent your client well. All right, Bennett. I think you're going first. Close this bad boy out. You tell me why. Elvis Aaron Presley, my fifth cousin, is better than Michael Jackson. Well, it's like I've said throughout this show, Elvis is the best-selling artist of all time. Estimated upwards of one billion in sales. And even to this day, 40-something years after his death, he still holds multiple chart records. Most gold albums, 101. Most platinum albums, 57. Most albums charted on the Billboard 200. Most songs in the top 40, 115. 152 in the top 100. 38 in the top 10. And 18 number ones. Like I said before, too, he holds the record for the most cumulative weeks at number one with 80. And it's credited with most albums charted in the Billboard 200 with 129. Now, both of these guys can sing. They had different styles, but they both could sing. Most, both of these guys could dance. Both of them had very different styles of dancing, but both of them could dance. Both of them are very influential for one way or the other. And both of these guys left huge, huge legacies. None of that stuff you can debate. And actually, both of these guys, too, sold a lot of records and took home a lot of hardware. That's all the stuff we can't debate. But if you take all that stuff and you throw it out, I feel like you have to go with Elvis. And here's why. He revolutionized music, especially rock and roll. He is more versatile. He can do the pop. He can do the country. He can do the rock and roll. He can do the gospel. He can do the blues. He can do the jazz. He can do the R&B. He can do the adult contemporary. He could probably rap if we needed him to rap. And he's in the Hall of Fame for country, pop, rock, and gospel, among many, many more. But those are the top four. A good man by the name of Chuck Berry mm. said that Elvis was the best and the best there ever will be. Sounds a lot like Bret Hart, but <laughs> Chuck Berry said about Elvis. Right point. Another, another fine gentleman by the name of Sir Elton John said this, there is no one greater as an artist on this earth. Elvis was my inspiration, and he is the man, period. That's what Elton John said. Now, clearly, Elton John thinks that Elvis is the man, and I think that Elvis is the man, too. So, tonight, Elrod, I'm asking you, don't be cruel. <laughs> don't send me to the Heartbreak Hotel. The time has come to crown the one true king. It's now or never. So, go with Elvis. I like it. I, I like how you incorporated about 10 different songs there. It's pretty cool. All right, right. This is your last oh. time. Last time. And you better you better incorporate some songs. I want to hear some Michael Jackson puns. So enlighten me. Convince me. Michael Jackson. Thriller. I agree. The best selling pop artist of all time. 
350 million albums sold worldwide. Thriller, the largest selling album of all time. 33 times platinum. More people have bought the Thriller album than have bought any other album. Period. Now, Bennett discussed, and I will agree, there are a lot of similarities between these two. They're both icons. They're both legends. Um, they both broke color barriers. They both changed the face of music. Um, both of them influenced countless numbers of people. Both of them will never be replicated ever again. And I agree with all that. Here's why Michael Jackson tops Elvis. That's all Michael Jackson lived to do was to entertain. He didn't have a childhood. He was an entertainer. He joined the Jackson 5 at six years old. He didn't grow up. Some would say ever. But he didn't grow up a normal life because he was in the entertainment business. When he died several years ago, he was planning a tour. He was practicing for a tour when he died. So literally, from the time he was six years old until he died, he was an entertainer. He never knew how to live a normal life. He was an entertainer. And the day he died, I'm going to go out on the limb and assume here, but I'm pretty confident in the fact. Elrod, do you remember where you were when you found out Michael Jackson died? I was eating an Outback Steakhouse. Bennett, do you remember where you were when you found out Michael Jackson died? Yeah, I had just left the Macon County Times newspaper on my way home. I was at the Macaroni Grill with an ex-girlfriend. And I remember being shocked. Granted, had we been alive when Elvis died, we probably would have remembered that too. But in our lifetime, that's one of those moments where the world just kind of stood still. Because he meant that much, especially more to our age group uh, than an Elvis would have because we saw more of the Michael Jackson. Granted, at our age, we saw more of the plastic surgeries, the alleged skin changes, the terrible accusations, but we lived and saw with our own eyes the superstardom of Michael Jackson. He is arguably, because that's what I'm doing, arguing, that he's the greatest entertainer of all time. He's the complete package, as I said at the beginning. He's got an elite level voice. He's an elite-level songwriter, something Elvis can't say. Um, Michael Jackson's in the Songwriters Hall of Fame. Elvis did not write a vast majority of his songs. He did other people's songs very well, but Michael Jackson wrote his own songs. He's an elite-level dancer. He's the only musical artist to ever be inducted into the Dancing Hall of Fame. And he was an elite performer. He was the greatest musical artist act of our time and i'm convinced and mr elrod i hope now that you're convinced 
greatest musical entertainer of all time. And I want to leave you with this note. Lisa Marie did not pick Elvis. That was a genetic thing. She picked Michael Jackson being her wife. <laughs> oh, and uh, Thriller. Oh, Thriller. Hey, one quick follow-up question, Sir Rutt. Who is the better entertainer, Garth Brooks or Michael Jackson? I mean, what are we talking? Today, Garth Brooks. <laughs> cop out. Cop out. I like it. Total cop out. Well, I guess this is all up to me now. Isn't it? You know, when people watch this show, each week, the mediator, he sits back and he listens. You might see him jotting down notes. You may think, what's he really doing? Is he jotting down notes? Is he balancing his chatbook? What's he doing behind the scenes? I actually took some notes tonight. And I have circled and squared every time I think somebody has won. So that's, it, as you can see, there's a lot, look, there's lots of squares and circles on here. So I have, I have went back and forth all night long. Bennett, um, Bennett mark the day. Or I did something for this show. I did. Put, put, I did some effort. So here is how I broke this down. I like the backstory of Michael Jackson better. I like the fact that he was a child star, became this, the great, great solo star. I like that story. I'm surprised there's not been a big movie made about that yet. I think there will be. That's a great American story. Now, when you get into the meat of it, I think Elvis has a better collection of hits. I think we talked about, I mean, the Thriller album was great, but when you look at the total career, I think Elvis has a better list, list in the hits. Don't you agree, Andy? Thriller. I think the awards section is a wash. I think we can go back and forth and tick for tag. I think the awards, they've won a comparable amount of awards. As far as the album, I want to concede that Thriller, if you look if you look at Elvis, you look at Michael Jackson, I think Michael Jackson had the best album of all time in Thriller, if you look at the albums in that. However, if you look at the variety and the different genres they were, they were able to go between, between this and that, Elvis had a better resume gospel some country pop rock he was able to sh shift and go to different genres better i like the intrigue of elvis better as far as you go out to vegas right now it, there's a lot of intrigue like there's so many elvis impersonators we we should have got an elvis impersonator to promote this show this week the more i think about it i think that would have been great don't you think we tried dummy we tried, but the more I think about it, we probably should have. But this is very close. Very, very close. So I went back and forth. And here is what I have fallen back on. There's this fact that I looked at. In the 80s, 
Nobody was more famous in the 80s at one time in the entire history of the world than Michael Jackson was in the 80s. 4.7 billion people knew who he was, which was probably about 90% of the world's population at that time. 4.7 billion people. Now, Elvis, if you look at, if he, if, if Elvis had the same technology to be able to be showcased overseas, he probably could have had that same, um, that same number in the 50s and 60s. But here is what breaks the tie for me. Fame, the backstory, the Hollywood story, the downfall. I've got to go with Michael Jackson on this by a nose. I mean, by a nose. It's close. Which nose? <laughs> First, <laughs> second, third. It's close. But that fact really shocked me that at no point in human history has someone been more recognizable and more famous than Michael Jackson was during that 10 year stretch in the 80s. Where Nearly 5 billion people, nearly the everybody across every corner of the globe knew who Michael Jackson was. And I know Elvis put out a lot of movies. He has the most successful, some of the more successful TV specials of all time. But when you look at the, in the complete picture, his reach today, and the fact that that's a pretty high bar, more so than Michael Jordan, than Tiger Woods, than any athlete, any entertainer, Michael Jackson was the most famous person in this world, reached the most amount of people in the entire history of this world. So that's the reason why I'm going to go with Michael Jackson. I'm shocked. <laughs> that's I it. thought I was done for. Bennett's leaving the building. <laughs> I'm out. Man, I was getting ready to dog you too, but I won. Um, Wow. Well, let me say this for my victory speech. I'm a much better actor than Elvis was in a lot of his movies. Um, Cause that was one failed part of his career uh, for the most part. But uh, let me explain something to our viewership here. Sometimes we have to play devil's advocate <laughs> and yeah. not really argue on what we uh, think. Sometimes you have to get on here and say that uh, Disney World is not better than Universal Studios. And don't get me wrong. Michael Jackson, Elvis, honestly, I think it's a matter of preference. My personal preference is Elvis. but um, And I was fully expecting to lose tonight. But uh, I'll take the win. Bennett might want to recite some Michael Jackson lyrics for you, though. Yes. Um, Bennett's probably looking at you in your face right now. <laughs> and he's thinking, they told you, don't you ever come around here. Don't want to see your face. You better disappear. There's fire in Bennett's eyes, and his words are very clear. Just beat it, Elrod. Just be. You know, sometimes you just got to look at the man in the mirror. Sometimes you got to and just got to see who the better person is. 
That's all right, Elrod. That's all right with me. (laughs) It's not always black or white. But anyway, well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, that wraps uh, this week's episode. Um, Michael Jackson versus Elvis. We'll be back next week. Don't know what we're discussing yet. I'm sure it'll be entertaining. Um, Gentlemen, any parting thoughts? Yeah, we we said this was going to be full of controversies. I didn't know that was going to be the controversy. <laughs> For real. And by the way, folks, if you think we left something out, it's because we did. We yes. left a lot out of this argument. Um, we have a format that we deleted two whole things off of today. Uh, just because we knew that this was going to go long. It's still gone long. Uh, Had we kept everything in, it would have went a lot longer. Um, So, you know, maybe it's a topic we'll revisit sometime, and maybe uh, we've talked about it, not extensively, but who knows? Maybe sometime in the future we'll see some uh, uh, multi-part episodes, Uh, and I definitely don't think this is the last time we'll be talking about Michael Jackson or Elvis uh on this show so all right guys any any goodbye words to the viewership i think bennett's still staring a hole through me that's all i gotta say about that (laughs) uh bennett's gonna get himself a guitar case except it's gonna be like antonio banderas's guitar case in desperado um please tell me you get that reference Elrod. No. Bennett, do you remember that movie? Hey, Desperado is a great uh, uh, Clint Black wow. song. You're an idiot. Also a great Antonio Banderas movie where his gun was inside his guitar case and he would shoot people with his guitar case. It was fantastic. What you got in that guitar case? My guitar. Anyway, um, thanks for joining us, guys. Uh, we'll be back next week with something uh, dull, but we'll make it entertaining because that's what we do. Uh, for Brian Bennett, Casey Elrod, I am Andy Rutherford. And uh, make sure you check us out. Socials, podcasts, anchor.fm slash convince me show. Throw us some money. We need some money. We need better equipment. Uh, but for the most part, just listen and enjoy and spread the word. And until next time, peace. Peace.